Do you want to set your child up for success? Is tutoring out of your budget, or perhaps you're someone like me who just wants to save money on private tutoring? Is this a big school year for your child? You know, maybe they're starting kindergarten or middle school. Maybe there's another milestone coming up. Or maybe your family moved. Oh my gosh, I moved so much when I was growing up. And the kids are starting a new school. Or maybe your child is ahead and just not getting challenged enough in class. Well, IXL Learning is here to help. IXL Learning is a fun online learning program for kids covering math, language, arts, science, and social studies. It's powered by advanced algorithms. IXL gives the right help to each kid, no matter the age or the personality. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. That's right. It is school approved. So make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And how to be fine listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com slash fine. Visit IXL.com slash fine to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. Again, that's IXL.com slash fine. At Rural First, we're the leader in rural construction loans because we don't work here. We work out here. We live rural, which means we know just what you need to build rural. Our dedicated team of loan specialists works with you throughout the construction process. And with our digital tool, you can manage your project all in one place. That's how Rural First gets you closer to what matters. Rural First is a registered trademark of Farm Credit Mid-America. NMLS 407249. Equal housing lender. Loan subject to approval and eligibility. Other terms and conditions may apply. Visit RuralFirst.com for more details. The following podcast contains barnyard language and some adult content. So, maybe listen on headphones if you're at work or around small children. Now, here's the show. Hey, Jolenta. Yes, Kristen. It has been one week since we lived by This Is Where You Belong, and you know what that means. It means it's time for another By The Book mini-episode. That's right. It's time for another By the Book epilogue. This week, we're looking at the aftermath of living by This Is Where You Belong, The Art and Science of Loving the Place You Live by Melody Warnick. But before we get to that, some announcements. Announcement number one. Reminder, this is technically the last episode of season seven of By the Book, but you know that doesn't mean we're not making episodes of this podcast. Every other week between now and the launch of Season 8, we're going to be releasing bonus episodes starting with our Season 7 wrap-up. That's our classic wrap-up episode where we go through each of the books we live by this season, what worked, what we loved, what we hated, what we're still doing. And we're going to talk to lots of like just cool people during these bonus episodes, people who know a lot about hearth and home and aspects of those two things that we maybe didn't get to touch on this season. People like Roman Mars, who's the host of 99% Invisible, and June Diane Raphael, who's a political activist and uh, the star of Grace and Frankie. So you got to tune in. We have some awesome people coming by and you won't want to miss it. 
Absolutely. And of course, one of those episodes will include the husbands. (laughs) But enough about that. Announcement number two. We know a lot of you out there are on the hunt for holiday presents. Some of you have written to us, and we have a few presents for you to consider. First, our book, How to Be Fine. This book is all about by the book, our behind-the-scenes stories, our secret confessions, the lessons we've learned, things we've never said on the show before, How to Be Fine, what we learn by living by the rules of 50 self-help books from HarperCollins. A second gift to consider, so you want to start a podcast. My book that teaches the art and craft of podcasting and storytelling. It came out last year, it won an award this year, and it can be yours. And finally, gift number three, buy the book swag at podswag.com. We have tank tops, we have bags, we have magnetic bookmarks, we have them all. Again, that's at podswag.com, podswag.com. All right. Now, let's get to the actual mini-episode, shall we? And first, let's hear from some listeners who also lived by this book. Reminder, we're talking about This Is Where You Belong. Yes. Danny says, I liked This Is Where You Belong. I read it after moving back to my hometown of Orlando to help my mom after she had back surgery. It helped me and my wife feel connected to the city. Three years post-surgery, when my mom was fully recovered, we moved back to Chicago, the town where we truly belong. I love that. You can move back places. That's important to remember, I think, right? Yeah, sometimes we have to relocate because of our families, because of work, because of school, because of any other number of reasons. And we can always go back, or hopefully we can. Mm -hmm. And in the meantime, it's nice to have the lessons available to us of how to connect to where we are. Totally. Next, let's listen to this voicemail we got from Marion. Hi, Kristen and Jolenta. This is Marion. I am so happy that you did This Is Where You Belong this season. Um, One thing I didn't talk about that much on the podcast that I really liked about the book was that Melody Warnick challenged herself to do these steps and then described how it went for her. And she actually did a kind of bad job with many of the steps. Um, For example, you mentioned that she organized a sidewalk chalk festival, but it ended up, up turning into basically just handing out chalk to kids. It was not what she had envisioned. And yet the steps still worked for her. So many self-help books are about an author who thinks that they've done everything exactly right and they want you to follow exactly what they did. So I really appreciated having an author who was just real and was okay with saying, I kind of screwed this up, but it's okay. It worked out anyway. Thank you for doing it. Bye. Yeah, we didn't really talk about that, Jolenta. But yes, she does admit in the book to making mistakes and not everything ends up being Mm -hmm. a huge stellar success. And It's good to hear that because, yeah, a lot of authors of self-help books do not admit that, oh, this was not a 10 out of 10 event that I tried to put on. This was not a 10 out of 10 success. They're like, here's how I excelled at everything I tried in this arena that I'm writing this book about. Bye. (laughs) Where it's like, eh, you got hits and misses. Yes, yes. And you're right, Marion. The author does indeed share some of her misses. That's true. Um. Shall we move on, Jolenta, to hear from people who've struggled to love where they live, people who maybe want to try this book? Mindy says, when I lived in Florida, I struggled to love where I lived. I couldn't really walk anywhere because the sidewalk ended at our development's wall. The connecting road was busy and had no shoulder. I rode my bike sometimes, but people would try to run me into a ditch. Plus, I was so far from family. Oh, my God. Run you into a ditch? That sounds like a nightmare. Mindy, this sounds terrible. Maybe that's the particular development you were in. Yeah, I don't know. I would also suffer to love where I lived if people were driving me into a ditch. Mm -hmm. That sounds really tough. 
Sarah says, we liked our house and its location, but our neighbors were the most unfriendly, grumpy people I have ever met in my life. It was impossible to make any sort of connection to anyone, and there were very few kids for my kids to make friends with. We moved after three years, and I couldn't be happier with where we are now. It's walkable, friendly, and has a happy community and a great school for my kids. Yeah, walkability apparently is so much more important than I thought for people who don't live in walking places. Yes. I'm a little New York centric. Sorry. (laughs) But also, um, Sarah mentions kids here, and that kind of leads us into a letter from a totally different Sarah. We have lots of people named Sarah this week. Yes. Yeah. Sarah, number two, uh, says, I live in the suburbs, which is fine, but it's impossible to get to know people if you don't have kids. Parents only seem to want to be friends with other parents who have kids the same age. My husband and I aren't able to have kids, so it's doubly painful to be left out all the time. Where we live makes the most sense for our commutes, and my husband's very much not a city person, so we're unlikely to move to a place with more people like us. But we're also unlikely to be included in our community. Not that many childless couples out there in our town. Oh, this is so heartbreaking, Sarah, number Ugh. two. It's it's hard either way, apparently. Say both the Sarahs where, you know, you need a place where your kids feel like they have a total community, but you also need a place where maybe you can feel like you're part of a community without having offspring. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. It really breaks my heart. I, I mean, mm-hmm. again, Jalenta, you already mentioned we live in a city, so we have such a different experience right. here. Um But I have heard that from, like, my sister lives in the suburbs, and some of the cultural norms in the suburbs can be very different from living in the cities, even though, technically speaking, we border each other and everything. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Let's hear from some listeners who have done certain special things to like where they live, shall we? Jolie says, I lived in a small remote town for four years for a job. It was not my cup of tea, but... I focused on appreciating the unique aspects of the town's history and architecture and doing activities that I could not have done in big cities, like going to rural areas very quickly and easily, taking weekend road trips to visit friends in cities. I developed a tight-knit group of awesome, friendly, supportive colleagues, and I became a regular at the excellent brew pub in town and the local YMCA. Plus, I appreciated that the gigantic house that I rented was only for peanuts. I love a, a rural area nearby. I don't have those. I'm jealous. <laughs> it sounds like you really did your best, Jolie, to tap into everything that town had to offer. Yes, I'm impressed. Next, we have this letter from Chelsea, who says, My partner is in the military, so each place we move means meeting new people and getting to know a new part of the country. The things I do to feel grounded are exploring the outdoor features, making a bucket list for our time in each place, and trying to meet people in the community. This has been hard lately since we moved to a state that's not taking proper precautions against the pandemic. But little things like planting a garden and cooking what we harvest from it still makes me feel like it's becoming home. Oh, that's so that's great. such a nice way to get sort of connected to, like, like your sort of immediate surroundings, literally. If you have the, like, space and resources to make a garden and eat from it, I love that. Yeah, like you are literally becoming grounded. Your hands are in the oh dirt. Oh, my God, I can't. All right, we're going to take a break, <laughs> honestly. That pun called it. It's break time. When we come back. We have questions and comments about how we actually live by the book, so stick around. At Rural First, we're the leader in rural construction loans. 
Because we don't work here. We work out here. We live rural, which means we know just what you need to build rural. Our dedicated team of loan specialists works with you throughout the construction process. And with our digital tool, you can manage your project all in one place. That's how Rural First gets you closer to what matters. Rural First is a registered trademark of Farm Credit Mid-America. NMLS 407249. Equal housing lender. Loan subject to approval and eligibility. Other terms and conditions may apply. Visit RuralFirst.com for more details. Human nature can get a little messy, but nature nature is powerful enough to save us from ourselves. Seventh generation laundry detergent lifts away tough stains with a 97% bio-based formula. For when you think whipping up yellow curry chicken in white pants is a great idea, totally not speaking from experience. Let nature do its thing so you can feel confident doing yours. That's the power of 7th Generation. Find 7th Generation laundry detergent and fresh lavender and other scents at 7thGeneration.com. We are back with listener comments about this is where you belong. Up first, let's talk about poll working, shall we? Yes. Catherine wrote in to say, I am not at all surprised to hear that Kristen applied to be a poll worker. Of course she did. This is so Kristen. I hope she eventually heard back from the election board and got assigned to a post. Can you please give us an update? A, I agree that is the most Kristen thing that Kristen has ever christened, <laughs> except for like if she also became a census worker. Um Oh my and, God. Or like a, a permanent too. juror, if she could do that. I don't know. <laughs> I like, love anyway. Duty. Yes, Jolenta, you're B, 100% right. Can you give us an update? <laughs> well, Jolenta, as you know, sadly, I never got called, which was a major letdown. But on the bright side, from what I understand, it's because there were so many people who signed up who wanted to be volunteers, who wanted to work the polls. Every Kristen out there in the city signed up, and they were like, guys, there are so many Kristens in New York. <laughs> it's like it attracts them. Yes, but I am still keeping my fingers crossed that I get called for either a special election or midterm yes, election or some other that. kind of election because I am now properly trained. And not to brag or anything, I, I did get a 10 out of 10 on my test. Oh, you know girl got an A+. Plus. <laughs> Can we move on? <laughs> yes. Stephanie says, listening to the latest episode, and if Kristen needs a more amusing word for her run-walk intervaling, might I suggest fartlek? It's from Swedish and literally means speed play. I don't suggest play. it. Fartlek. Speed play. <laughs> you don't like that word, Jolenta? Oh, I love it. <laughs> it's just that other people won't know what I'm saying. Like, oh, what are you up to today? Oh, fart licking. I'll be like, that's so Kristen. <laughs> Both meanings. <laughs> let's let's move on. I could talk about fart licks forever. Yeah. <laughs> let's talk about New York, the city we live in, that like we're pretty obsessed with, probably to the point where it alienates others. Um <laughs> Karen wrote in to say, I lived in New York very briefly for under a year after I graduated from college. Listening to your episode, I was reminded of how hard it was not knowing my neighbors' names, like Jolenta, or struggling to find any kind of undiscovered nature, like Kristen tried to do, and of everything just being so hard, so expensive, so crowded, and yet so lonely. I tried the best I could to love New York, but it felt like New York never loved me back. Do you ever feel that way, or do you really? really love New York as much as you seem to on the show. No, I love New York the way, like, I love my dad. Like, he could take me or leave me, but, like, I want its approval. Like, oh. right? Is that too sad to say is true? 
No, I love it. it. The city like gives me life, but is also like sometimes a hard and toxic shithole. (laughs) I love New York. It's just one of those places the very first time I ever visited, I felt like I was completely at home. I didn't feel like an outsider here because everyone is an outsider here. And there's something very special about that. And I will say that Jolenta, as you know, I was recently in quarantine yet again after being exposed to somebody Mm -hmm. with COVID. And right now, the city's contact tracing system is so supportive. They would check in on me every day. They sent me a care package. I saw your updates. It was crazy. They've been so kind to me. And it really reinforced this idea for me that as much as I love New York, New York really loves me back. And I just, I mean, they offered to buy me groceries. It comes through when you need it to, not when you need it to, but when you need it to. Like when you when you sort of are like, oh, I really would help if you came through New York. It won't come through. But like when you don't know you need it, that's when the city comes through. Oh, my God. It was amazing. They offered me a hotel. They offered me food. They offered to have yeah, nurses come I've to visit here, me. I've been here. I heard about amazing. that. People with roommates, they're like, here's a hotel. So you don't like have to expose your roommates or like quarantine like with people. It's crazy. Yeah, so great. Shall we move along to this letter from Brittany? Yes. Brittany says, I loved this week's episode, especially listening to how you all already support so much local. But my question is, how would I incorporate this book's advice if I don't live in a city? I live in a small town in the rural south with very little local business. While we have neighbors, we are separated by half a mile on either side, so we don't really have that many interactions. We moved here about two years ago from another slightly larger small town and haven't met anyone outside of work. I love our home and having lots of outdoor space, but it can feel really lonely at times. Hmm, yeah, I know. I know the feeling. I've always lived in a city, but I have I have felt growing up in Portland, Oregon before it was cool that it was a small town. So like in my mind I relate, but I don't. <laughs> but I was going to say what I did a lot of the time and like I feel like especially now since we're all often sort of stuck inside and like forced to be indoor kids, I got to know like not necessarily like my neighbor neighbors, but like my neighbors in interest. Like I, you know, when I felt when I feel sort of stuck, sometimes I like that's when I join like an internet like support group or like fan club where like, you know, I might feel alone in my in my day-to-day life, but I can go on my Facebook group for New York fans of the Real Housewives and I can just like talk some shit about like the new Salt Lake franchise with some fellow New Yorkers that I don't even know. So it's like I'm meeting neighbors and they're like somewhat local and we're neighbors in our hearts because of what we watch. (laughs) I love that. And Brittany, I also just want to say a reminder, the book's author, she lived in Blacksburg, Virginia. She was in the South. She was in a small town with only 40,000 people. She was not in a big city. And Mm. so she was dealing with a lot of the same things you are, Brittany. So I'd say her book is probably still applicable to you. We just gave you sort of a warped perspective. Yes, yes, absolutely. But yeah, her book is essentially your whole situation. And something else I would say is if those things aren't there at your fingertips, maybe you can start them. You can put up a posting for a community 
book club that you just do by Zoom if you want to in your community. Mm, like, that's how my right. book club meets these days. Um, you can start something like a TV fan club, like the one Jolenta is talking about, where you can meet remotely with people in, you know, a 50-mile radius of your house and then just chat with each other about, like, the real housewives or whatnot. So um, you can start something. Or you can become one of those irritating people that I used to be when I very briefly lived in this tiny community with 20 year-round residents. Um, and this was on the border of Washington and Oregon. And I knocked on every person's door and they were so tired of me. Gosh, they were tired of that one writer who came to town and who wanted to meet everybody. Who are you? <laughs> what town were you in? Oysterville, Washington. I love those weird fucking towns. Oh, it was great. It was great. The people with the miniature seeing eye horses were so tired of me, but I was there every day. Always the best animals. <laughs> all right. Well, I guess it's not always the best animals because this next letter is all about people. Uh, <laughs> uh, Nora wrote in to say, I was raised an army brat and my childhood was a patchwork of making new friends everywhere we went. Once my dad retired from the army, I continued to travel as an exchange student and with my mom's work. At one point living in Tokyo, I realized something. I hate tourist attractions. I have no interest in landmarks. I like people, and the thing I loved was knowing my neighbors. And so I just loved when Kristen said that Brooklyn was about the people. I think that's the truth uh, with everywhere. A place is just bricks and trees and pavement, but a life is lived through people. Yes, the people. Ding, ding, ding. Yeah, right? like, I, like I said, I love New York. As a misfit, you come here, the whole city's filled with exactly. us. Exactly. Like, I love, no one gives a shit, and everyone is fine. Like Yeah. You literally could walk down the street any day of the year wearing a giant dinosaur costume, and nobody would notice. It's like, whatever, we're all like, weirdos Or here. you would get noticed in just the way you need. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Let's move on to this letter from Romy. Romy says... Regarding the author's take on Sri Lankan names, I just wanted to say that I was born in Sri Lanka and have a Sri Lankan name. It's mostly vowels and not too hard to pronounce, but lots of people still struggle with it. Being an academic in Australia, there are many occasions non-Sri Lankans have to call out my full name. Apart from my PhD advisor, no one thus far has gotten it right. What's worse, it seems that Sri Lankan names are quite the joke in popular culture. Any occasion Sri Lanka comes up in a movie or book, it's to mention how annoyingly long our names are. I still don't get why we get singled out for having taxing names over others. Well, I would say the reason why is racism. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I, I would like, agree with you, Joel. I'm not yes. used to that. So, like, I label it taxing. Yes. I, I assume so. As someone with just, like, a somewhat unique name, like, it's not that. It's racism. Like, <laughs> Yeah. It is. It's definitely racism. And I wish our author of this book had not referred to Sri Lankan names as taxing monikers. And mm -hmm. um, and honestly, I'm not surprised that you face that, Aromi. I just feel like it's, it, it's racism. Yeah. As Jolenta was saying, pure and simple. Let's move on to something a bit more uplifting. Yes. Like giving back to your community. So many of you wrote in with how you had been giving back recently, especially during these very, very difficult times. So let's hear how you've been doing it. Susanna says, I moved into a new house right before the pandemic struck and connecting with my new neighbors has not been easy, but I volunteered to be an election judge. I helped with the community garden over the summer, and I've done some grocery runs for various neighbors that have needed it at times. Nice. Jory says, 
my husband and I donated our stimulus checks to local organizations. When I made the donation online to a local theater I volunteer for, the executive director called me one minute later to make sure that I had not been hacked or accidentally (laughs) added an extra zero. I don't know why, but that really got me. Oh, of course, so because Jolenta, with your theater connection, oh my God. Uh, that's like somebody that's, saying I just what also you do matters. see a theater director being like, are you sure you meant to? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Moving on. Darcy says, we volunteer at a local animal shelter. We're rural and it's all volunteer run. So we've worked throughout this whole damn shit show. Oh, thanks for taking care of those animals. Megan says, honestly, I've just been giving money to charities and calling various members of Congress, Senate, state AGs, etc. as various things come up. Megan, I just want to say your use of the word just, you've just been giving money to charities, you've just been calling various members of Congress. Don't minimize that. This is all important stuff. And we are really grateful that you do all those things. So you have been, period. Yes, yes, period. You don't need the word just in there. (laughs) I have recently become very obsessed with the like refrigerators that are around uh, New York and other cities and putting like things we we maybe aren't going to use or that are going to go soon in there to find good homes. Yes. On that note, let's take a quick break, shall we? And uh, when we come back. We're going to hear the things that you all are most proud of and love to show off in your towns. At Rural First, we're the leader in rural construction loans because we don't work here. We work out here. We live rural, which means we know just what you need to build rural. Our dedicated team of loan specialists works with you throughout the construction process. And with our digital tool, you can manage your project all in one place. That's how Rural First gets you closer to what matters. Rural First is a registered trademark of Farm Credit Mid-America. NMLS 407249. Equal housing lender. Loan subject to approval and eligibility. Other terms and conditions may apply. Visit RuralFirst.com for more details. Human nature can get a little messy, but nature nature is powerful enough to save us from ourselves. Seventh generation laundry detergent lifts away tough stains with a 97% bio-based formula. For when you think whipping up yellow curry chicken in white pants is a great idea, totally not speaking from experience. Let nature do its thing so you can feel confident doing yours. That's the power of 7th Generation. Find 7th Generation laundry detergent in fresh lavender and other scents at 7thGeneration.com. We're back, and now some of the things that all of you out there are proud of in your towns and want to shout out. Kara says, while most people hype all the awesome local breweries in my little city of Kalamazoo, my go-to at the moment would actually be all the amazing art in the Vine neighborhood where I live. We have quite a few murals by local artists on buildings and retaining walls, as well as some fascinating architecture. Nice. Donna says, I'm from Ottawa, Ontario. We have a public forest available to all. You can walk, run, bike, ski, toboggan, ride your horse, walk your dog, ride your ATVs, snowmobile, and hunt. 500 hectares of crown land. Absolutely beautiful. My daughter and our dog and I regularly enjoy it. Sunday says, for two weeks in the summer, there is a species of firefly in the Smoky Mountains that synchronize their flashes. It starts at the top of the mountain and cascades down. It is really cool to see. That sounds so amazing. Oh, my God. We need to go to the Smoky Mountains. 
Angela says, I live in Plymouth, New Zealand, and take people to Puki Ariki. It's the local museum, and it's beautiful. If I could go a little further out of town, it would be Mount Taranaki, obviously, because it's amazing. Although, I'm just going to weigh in here. Everything in New Zealand looks like it's from a postcard. I've heard it's, it's just, beautiful. like, gorgeous. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's not fair. New Zealand rocks. Beautiful. Yes. City says, I'm from Singapore. We have lots of tourist traps, but I'd bring you to my favorite piece of nature in my city, Marichi Reservoir Park. I live right outside it and walk the 5 to 11 kilometer trails almost every week. There's a canopy walk deep inside the trails. And with everyone unable to travel for holidays, more and more locals are hiking here now. Yeah, I got to say, I've seen pictures of this. It's like the Hanging Gardens of Babylon. It is stunning. So beautiful. Yeah. So beautiful. Huge, huge thank you to everyone who wrote in and left us voicemails this week. Thank you so much. And reminder, you can always share your thoughts with us and your stories with us at facebook.com slash groups slash BTB pod. And now, Jolenta, it's time. It's the time mm-hmm. when we announce next week's book. Our next book is... Wait, 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 wait. There's no book. <laughs> no, there's, there's no not. book. I was just teasing people. We already said at the top there's uh, no book next week. I know, <laughs> but it was fun to play along. And it was fun to sort of trick you into listening to this reminder that our next episode is going to be out in two weeks. And we're going to be doing our season recap roundup. It is very fun. We're going to talk shit about all the books we read and non-shit about all the books we've read. And it's it's a good time. <laughs> and that's it for this mini episode of By the Book. Huge thanks, as always, to our amazing, fabulous production team at Stitcher, Daisy Rosario, Brandon Nix, Corinne Wallace, and Andy Christens. Thanks also to Nate Wyda, who composed our theme song, and to the Rizzos, who perform it. Stay in touch with us. Let us know what self-help books you're reading. Let us know what you're thinking about. As always, we are always accepting photos of animals and clothes. That's been going since season one, I believe. Keep it coming. You can email us at kristinandjolenta at gmail.com or you can tweet at us at Jolenta G, at Kristen Meinzer, and at By the Book Pod. And reminder, our phone number is 302-49-BOOKS. That's 302-492-6657. If you have not yet done so already, please rate us and review us in Stitcher and in Apple Podcasts. It helps other people find the show. And if you haven't already, tell a neighbor about the show. Tell a friend about the show. Tell an election official about the show. Until next time, I'm Jalanta Greenberg. And I'm Kristen Meinzer. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye. Emma says, I leave, live. Emma says, we can skip Emma this says, one. Let's just, I let's live. just skip this no, one. No, I want to say it now. <laughs> I don't even know what it's about. <laughs> Stitcher. At Rural First, we're the leader in rural construction loans because we don't work here. We work out here. 
We live rural, which means we know just what you need to build rural. Our dedicated team of loan specialists works with you throughout the construction process. And with our digital tool, you can manage your project all in one place. That's how Rural First gets you closer to what matters. Rural First is a registered trademark of Farm Credit Mid-America, NMLS 407249, equal housing lender, loan subject to approval and eligibility. Other terms and conditions may apply. Visit RuralFirst.com for more details.